All right. Well, it is great to have you here today. Thank you, Damon, for that inspirational worship music and preparing us for our time of uh, communion that will be coming up here at the end of our service. But um, welcome to what we call Vision Sunday, kind of a time to look back at 2017 to see where God has uh, brought us and then forward into 2018. So let me ask you this, everybody have one of these or every couple have one of these? Okay, Uh, if you have one, lift it up like this, put it right in front of your face. All right, okay, I can see it. Oh, we got it on the balcony. Okay, now put that down and do not open it, all right? Put it down. Do not open it. Open up your Bibles instead to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And as you're looking that up, um, we're going to read this passage because it really is talking about having a reason for the hope that we have in this upcoming year. And uh, so as you're looking that up in your Bibles, how about we read all from the same version, which is up here on the screen. I actually have the 84 of the NIV up here together. So let's all read this together, okay? Read it with me. Go. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Hope is really that key word that we need to have here because as we talk about 2018, the year going forward, specifically we are going to deal with hope shared. That is sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, I did two funerals this last week, one on Friday and one yesterday on Saturday for Joe Roberts and Shirley Booher, two wonderful, wonderful saints in our church. And it is so much fun to get to step up and do a funeral for people like that because they had incredible hope. And the people in the congregation know it, they feel it, they sense it. The family is not in despair. The family is not distraught. Yes, they miss the time with them, but they know the hope that these two had. And I hope that you are here today and that you also know where you would be going if you were to die now. We live in a world that has so much despair, so much darkness about it, so much uh, discouragement that even comes from that. But when you have hope, not only for this life, but for the life to come, oh my goodness, it just changes everything changes everything. And what, if you have that hope, I pray that you would be able to answer and give reason for anyone who asks you why you have that hope. In fact, would you read the verse with me again? Read it. Go. But in your hearts, set apart, Christ is Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, when you set apart Christ as Lord first and foremost, that changes everything about what you do, about what you believe. Those those beliefs turn into actions. Those actions are are what you are known by. And, And you live for a different purpose. In fact, you give for a different purpose in your life. Some of you saw last week that I didn't finish my message and had a couple of verses at the end, which I guess I understand is a mortal sin uh, in in this church. Uh, And so so I want to kind of finish that up for you. I want to circle back around and just touch on that real briefly because it ties in to Vision Sunday and, and where we are headed here. Because you know what? You are a church that so many of you give with a different purpose, you live with a different purpose, it's because you, you make an investment in eternity with what you do. 
there, there was an interesting verse that was at the bottom of the outline um, out of the book of Philippians. And what Paul is doing when he shares this verse is he is thanking the people of Philippi for giving to support the missionary work that he has and that he is engaged in. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, not that I seek the gift. So it's not about me and you're giving a gift to me. But he says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What he is literally saying here is, hey, thank you for the gift. Thank you for supporting the work that I am doing so I can get the message of Jesus Christ out. But what I am really encouraged about is that you have gained in giving to me. You have gained treasures in heaven because you've given to me. In fact, the NIV version says like this. It says, uh, credited to your account. In the original Greek, that is a financial term meaning to accrue interest. Now, if any of you have a little bit of money in the bank, you know, you don't get a whole lot of interest in the bank. But if you have a little bit of money in the stock market, that's been doing much better. It's been crediting onto your stock, onto your account. It has grown. In fact, the ESV has another phrase that it translated in this one. It was at the footnote. And I wrote it up here. It says, I seek the profit that accrues in your accounts. When you give, you get profit. You give it away, but you have this profit that ends up in your account in the other world. In fact, Paul, he says like this, he says, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, that accrues in your account. That's what I want to see for you. The good news translation says, I want to see profit added to your accounts. And I came across that verse that last week before this one, and I thought, you know, I've never kind of seen it in that way where my earthly giving is, is a credit to my account up in heaven. And in fact, I, I struggled to share it in this way, but I couldn't get away from it. I looked at it again this week and said, is that how you want me to share that, Lord? Yes, that's how I want you to share that because that's the way it's written up in Scripture. What, what this is saying is that every time you give... Your giving is rewarded and recorded. It's there, and it's for, it's in your account. That's really what Paul's getting at. He's kind of getting at this idea of spiritual dividends that you have. He's saying, you receive this, Church of Philippi, the Philippians. You receive this when you gave to me. I'll say the same thing for you, Stocktonians. You receive this. When you give to an offering here at First Baptist, you receive this when you give as though you're giving to Jesus to the Pregnancy Help Center, to the Gospel Center Rescue Mission, to the Haven of Peace and those other agencies that we support here at First Baptist. When you give as though it's given to the least of these, when you give as though it's given to Jesus himself. That you have accrued credit into your account. Now, some of you might say, you know what, Pastor Brad, I, I got a problem with that. That doesn't sound right. We're not supposed to give to get rewards in heaven. All right, I hear that. But here's the thing. I think we have a much bigger problem with that than God does. I think we make a bigger issue out of that than certainly the Bible does. Because that's what the Bible teaches. You can see it over and over and over and over again. Let me just show you one more verse here out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, 
They're to do good. Paul says to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Being a giver enhances this life, but it does a lot for the life to come as well. In fact, let me just talk about this life for just a second. The happiest people I see, you want to talk about a happy day, and we're singing happy day up here. You want to talk about happy people. Happy people realize that God came for them and that God loves them. That God is a giver and he gave so much to us. And that he wants us also to share that with others, to be blessing of others. And so the happiest joy-filled people I see in life are those who are givers. Not just because they know that the rewards are coming, you know, in the, in the next life. But it frees them up from all the world's junk that our world puts upon us, the consumerism and everything else that we have here in America. And so, you know, I was thinking about joy-filled people, happy people. What's the opposite of happy or joy-filled people? I came up with the word miserable people. That's the opposite, people who are miserable. And do you see the root word of this word miserable? what's What's the root word? A miser. Stingy. Keeping it to themselves. Chintzy, cheap, a hoarder. That's just the opposite of what God wants us to be. In fact, I'm reminded of that report, I might have shared this a few years ago, who was interviewing Mother Teresa, who gave her life, right, to work with the, um, the poor and the dying in the streets of Calcutta. She gave every worldly possession she had. The reporter made a statement to her, just kind of off the cuff. He said, I would never do what you do for all the money in the world. And she kind of scratched her head. She looked back at him. She said, well, neither would I. I wouldn't do it for all the money in the world either. That's not why I do this. I do this because God gave his life for me. I do this because Jesus paid the penalty for my sins, and I want others to have that same right, that same dignity of loving people, of giving to people, of using what I have been given to bless others. And I, have, I have, just have a feeling that Mother Teresa never like had a really bad day right? Some of the things that make us have really bad days just didn't phase her. Don't have my coffee today, or it's not warm enough, or the shower wasn't very warm, or roommates hogging the bathroom. Get out of the bathroom! You know, you can't see her saying that, right? Get out, I gotta go, type of thing. She just, she just didn't get caught up in all that. You know why? Because she had one foot in the afterlife. One foot here, yes, but another one in the afterlife. Seeing what God was going to do, the blessings that would even come. And so let me say it this way. If you're giving to a church or to a ministry or to an agency, um, and it's not as though you're giving to the Lord, then, then that's just charity that you're giving. But when you see it as though you are giving to the Lord, be that uh, a tithe or an offering or a check, be that uh, an act of service that you have, if you're giving that to the Lord, then that's when it is seen as an act of worship. 
few years ago when we were doing the crosswalk service, we kind of had some change up on some things, and we were trying to prove a point. And so we didn't take an offering in the normal place that we took an offering. What I told the people was, is I said, we're going to sing a few songs after the message. And I was kind of sharing some of these thoughts. And I said, what I want you to do after this is over is there's crosses in the back of the rooms, and, um, or in the back of the room. And I said, I want you to go back to that cross. And you have an offering place at the foot of the cross. And what I want you to do is I want you to give that offering as though you were giving it to the Lord himself. And you should have seen the people. Just the reverence that they went back with. Sometimes, you know, I, I kind of feel like the offering plate that comes by, it's kind of a tip jar. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an admission. You know, this is what I need to pay. You know, I'll pay my dues to get in here. Pastor Brad told a funny one today. I'll double my offering, you know, type of thing. And, you know, good song, good song. I'll give a little bit more. No connection whatsoever, please, folks. Give as though you're giving to the Lord himself. And when you do that, then you see God glorified in the midst of that. In fact, what that does is it grows your heart in fondness for the things that God's heart beats after. You say, well, where do you pull that from? Look at this verse out of Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just a fact that God says, Jesus told us this, is true. Wherever your treasure is, your heart's going to be right there. And so what do you treasure? Where do you give? Where you give is what you're going to treasure. Treasure the things of God. That's why it's so important to constantly remind yourself, your gift is given to Jesus Christ himself. Because when you give your gift that way, your heart will automatically be drawn to him. All right, you have this brochure? Don't open it yet, all right? Have it in front of you. Just keep it there for a second. First Baptist, we could not have done any of the things that we did. The people we were able to share Christ with, the mission trips we were able to go on, the ministry we were able to have, the family, children, youth, adults, all, all the, we, we couldn't have done any of it without people like you whose heart beats for Jesus Christ. People who had this kind of mindset that we've been talking about, about their possessions or about their lives. And there's no way we can even dream and have vision for 2018, 2019, 2020 without that kind of perspective. Because this is what God has called us to. On the very front cover, you see the verse, Matthew 28, 19. In fact, would you read that together with me? Let's read it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's our mandate. That's the Great Commission. So you say, well, okay, well, how did we do in 2017? Let me, let me go. Open up. To the first page there, you see 2017, see a little table of contents. You can read the letter I wrote and our moderator, Craig Miller, as well. You can read those on your leisure. Skip over to the next page if you would. Lots of different numbers that are there. Boil those down. Read over those on your own, if you would, as well. You'll see a number at the top of the page. You know, this is kind of fun. In worship, we see, well, we saw about 500, 959 people on average. But on the campus, we see well over 1,300 people here every given Sunday. That's just on Sunday mornings. 
Yesterday, uh, we had such a busy day here. I came down for a funeral at 11 o'clock, and already our upward basketball program had been going on on both the campuses. We had trail life that was meeting on the grounds as well. We had the funeral that was here. Uh, I mean, it is incredibly busy. We, we have the school that goes on during the, the whole week. Um, uh, you know, one of the gals came out of the funeral time and said, we don't have a big enough room in our welcome center for everybody coming from the funeral. Can we go over to the ministry center or over to the uh, community center now because that has a bigger dining facility. We may have to because of all the ministry that we do here and ministering to other people. But just on Sunday mornings, we're able to see that many people come through here when you look at the adults, the children, and everyone else. So you can read through those numbers in the No, Grow, Serve, Chair areas. Jump over to the next page as well. You can see the missions that we've been able to do in different countries, um, uh, the, the gleanings and uh, students going to YOM and up to Alaska, Guatemala, to Haiti as well, and, and also the different special offerings that we've been able to take. Because you'll remember, of the course of the year, I stood up here and I said, you know, there's been hurricanes that have hit the Gulf Coast. Can you help? There's been fires that have ravaged up in Northern California. Can you help? There's children over in Africa uh, who need some help. Can you help? In India with the His Little Feet, all those different areas, those are special offerings that we have taken as well that go on top of this. Look at the giving. This mindset that you give, when you do give, give it to the Lord. L look at the total giving that's there in the general fund. That's the big circle on the page. Over $2 million coming through here to say, yay, God, do with that as you will within the budget of First Baptist Church. But look at below that in the 2020 vision where it says additional giving, 545000 402000 That totals up to about 950000 approaching another million dollars that all of you gave even over and above the operating expenses here at First Baptist Church. That, what a heart of generosity. In fact, Shirley Booher passed away. We had her service yesterday. She was our business administrator for about 11 years. Um, and her daughter was laughing with me uh, during the week because she said, Pastor Brad, did you see what my mom wanted people to donate to? Oftentimes when someone dies, they, they offer something that you can donate to. I said, no, I didn't see it. She said, in the paper, go ahead and look at it. She said she, she asked people if they wanted to give an honorarium, that they give it to the children's building to pay that debt down, but also to the First Baptist General Operating Budget. I said, thank you, Shirley Boomer. That, that is just her heart. That, that, that she knows what it takes to do that type of thing, but she's someone who's just an over and above giver, and she has been for years and years. Joe Roberts, the same way, who passed away, and we celebrated his life on Friday. Just people who give out of the overflow of their heart to see differences made, and so many of them giving just like many of you have given as well. Jump to the next page. You'll see the Sunday message series that we have been in. I hope those will bring back some of the thoughts, the ideas, um, God movements in your life as you look back at some of the things that we went through. The year of prayer was in 2017 as well, where we saw God's hand move in different things that we did, a 24-hour prayer vigil, our worship and prayer nights, um, prayer walks that we had and such. And so, so those are all some of the things that we did in 2017. Let me, though, now jump to 2018. So turn the page there. On the left-hand side, you see where our vision and our values are. And you'll notice we have nine values on the left page, and then our other one has one value because that's the 10th that we're going to be celebrating in 2018. But let's just look at the nine values for a second. 
We just like to highlight some of the different things that take place in each of those areas. Biblical authority. In about three weeks from now, we're going to have a Christian apologetics weekend where a speaker will come in the morning time. He'll also come back at night. He'll help train us. He'll help equip us for how we can give an answer for the reason for the hope that we have. And even in the world that says there's evil in the world, how do you answer those kind of people? He's going to approach that subject, and we'll have some things that we can share and learn. We take that straight straight from Scripture. Worship. Damon's working on multi-generational worship teams that we'll be able to worship with and, and have here on Sunday mornings. Fellowship, we're talking about family events going on at the community center uh, and just having more days where we can outreach to the community. Discipleship, you see the highlighted one there is the adult conferences. We have women's things coming up. The men's one is coming up this next Friday or Saturday. As Pastor Scott challenged you, I want to challenge you as well. Men, get out there, $20. In fact, I was handed a note right before I came up. I was adjusting my belt, and Jolene, you stuck that in my hand. Oh, you didn't want me to say it was you, did you? Okay, all right, all right. I'm like, what is she doing back there? I'm, hmm, Jolene, what are you doing back there? And so she grabbed a note, and she said, if anybody can't go to that conference, you make sure they go. She said, I'm going to give them $10,000 to it. No, I'm joking. You didn't say that, did you? No, 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 no. First one up who needs to go, you got it, you're free. Because there are isn't that the kind of heart that people have around here? Some of you might want to do that as well. Some of you might find me on the side. Hey, my husband needs to go. Don't tell him I'm paying for this. Just do it. Get him there. Come. Be a part of that. Be a part of what we're doing. You look, the ministry, uh, the volunteer training we're going to have, the prayer and the prayer walks. We'll talk about that a little bit later here. Marriage conference that we're going to have. If you're familiar with Les and Leslie Parrott, um, they're world-renowned marriage counselors. Um, They have a conference coming up in September right here on these grounds over in the community center. All people, we had a great grief share last year. We want to do that again to reach out to our community and other things you see in there as well. Um, And then excellence. Um, We want to do everything with excellence to honor God. Now, those are nine values that we match up with some vision. Go to the tenth. That's over on the next page. That's the word hope shared, which is evangelism. And we're going to really be talking about the word hope shared because it's a little less churchy than the word evangelism. But basically, it's sharing the hope that the community of, that is here in Stockton uh, that we have in Christ. And so you see what we're going to be doing in the services, evangelism highlights. We'll give you Easter invitations. Our message series, we're going to touch on some of those. You see the Go events, and I've already talked about a few of those. These are some new things coming for 2018. The Apologetics Conference, the Marriage Event, MomStrong just began this last week, the men's conference, jump on down there a little bit. The community center dedication, that's taking place in about five weeks. On March 4th, we're all going to gather over at the community center on a Sunday morning. We're going to have our very first services in the community center. It also happens to be that March 6th is our anniversary here at First Baptist Church where when First Baptist began, 1853 which makes us, on that weekend, 165 years old. And so we're going to get to celebrate that by being a part of, yeah. We're going to celebrate that because everybody who's coming through here, everybody who's ever been at this church, we all have the belief that our best days are yet ahead. Our best days are still to come. And if the Lord waits another 165 years, we believe he's just going to continue to grow our congregation all for the glory of God. 
That's what we're wanting to see take place. You look at the bottom, we'll have some movie nights at the center. We'll have um, a kindness campaign um, so that, again, we can share the hope of Jesus with anyone who asks. And even some who aren't asking, we're going to share the hope of Jesus with them. Turn the page. Hope defined. Let me read the top part, and then I'm going to ask you to read this with me. Let me read this. It says, by the year 2020, now we're going beyond just 2018, we will be a church that is passionately and compassionately helping people take their next step in knowing Jesus and making him known. And we will passionately take our next step with Jesus. Now read each of these statements with me. Ready? Go. By valuing the Bible and its truth in our daily living. By valuing personal prayer without ceasing and always interceding for others. By valuing worship that is displayed in powerful weekend services which fuel our lives to worship God with a 24-7 lifestyle. I can't hear you, balcony. Speak up. By valuing the fellowship that is lived out in the community of believers, providing for one another. By valuing the process of discipleship, becoming more like Jesus through our own spiritual disciplines and modeling this for our children and our grandchildren. By valuing ministry that is displayed through using our unique spiritual gifts, serving out of an overflow, not an obligation. By valuing evangelism through sharing the good news as ambassadors for Christ, locally and globally. By valuing the biblical viewpoint of marriage, in particular, practical love for our lifelong spouse. By valuing a desire for excellence in everything we do. By valuing all people seeking to show the love of Christ in every possible way. By valuing a life of generosity with our time, talents, and treasures. By valuing purposeful succession in raising up the next generation of leaders in our church. Now, you'll recognize that those ten, first ten, come from our values, which come straight from Scripture. Generosity. Again, Scripture teaches us, be generous people. That succession, of course, needing to pass on the message, even out of 2 Timothy 2, 2, to others who have that message to share with others. Because we believe, as it says at the bottom, that when we take these steps, our church will become a beacon of hope to a lost and a hurting city when we lift up the name of Jesus. Now, are those some lofty goals? Absolutely, those are some lofty goals that we want to do. Let me get more specific with them as we go to 2018, 19, and 20. Look at body life on the next page. And I'm just going to highlight the, 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 the yellow part of the bolded part. In our area of body life around our congregation, we want to see 500 families either baptized or rededicated for doing life the way God wants us to do, joining our community in that way. Go to the next page, talking about worship. We want to see multi-generation worship teams and worship leaders leading together in worship and praise of all different ages, makes and models, sizes all the rest. We want faith formation, as you look at on the next page, to be and end up with having 150 people 
experiencing a one-on-one or group disciple-making mentorship. In fact, that's already well underway. My Bible study on Wednesday night, we have a great group of about 40 or 42 people who are engaged in doing this one-on-one or one-on-three type of discipleship. And we have another dozen who are doing it in a one-on-one relationship. And if you have not gotten into something like that, please speak up. We want to help you to be discipled in what God's Word says and how you can run your life, order your life after God's principles and priorities. Go to the next page. You'll see children. See, Pastor Nikki put down there on the impact 200 families and 300 kids each week. Look at the bold parts. Our kids will have memorized by 2020 100,000 cumulative Bible verses through our Awana program. 100,000 verses in their hearts, together, all of them together, coming together, saying those verses over and over and over and over again, so that when the days are getting more evil, and they're getting older into their teenage years, their adult years, they'll remember those verses, they'll remember God's word in their hearts, that they might not sin against God. You look at the students on the next page, our youth ministry said, so we will invest in 50 students in intense discipleship through our year-long and summer internship programs. And Ray Martin has done a fabulous job over the last few years in strategically going after that with Danny, Vince, and MJ. You look at the next page where we have missions. The highlighted part again, by 2020, we will give a total of a million dollars to missions and nonprofit agencies. And yes, we want to see the Pregnancy Help Center uh, exceed and grow. We want to see the Gospel Rescue Mission. We want to see the Haven of Peace and other agencies that put the name of Jesus first and foremost. We want to come right alongside them and everything being lifted up as the tide rises, that they will also do that as well because we know the value of those parachurch ministries. We want to give a million dollars to mission work overseas and in our city. Uh, City, to nonprofit agencies in partnership to seeing the gospel spread. And then finances and facilities. Actually, this isn't bolded, but let me show it to you at the very top. By 2020, we will have all of our debt paid off. <laughs> oh, 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 boys, that's a lofty goal. Yes, it is. It is a lofty goal. But can it happen? Absolutely it can happen. Absolutely. As I said, I saw a church here that had committed to giving a million dollars, and you committed to giving another million dollars, or two million dollars to our general budget. You committed to giving another million dollars. That was not anywhere in there. You said, we see a need, we're going to meet it. We're going we're, we're to get there. Can we do that? Absolutely we can do that. Those finances are there. They're just out in the parking lot right now. They're just already in our pocketbooks right now, but it's there. We wrote down as well, we'll generate $50,000 annually in operating profit out of the First Baptist Church Community Center that will go right back into helping us pay off that debt so that we can erase that debt as soon as possible, that we can put all that money into the Lord's work. A lot of numbers. Don't get caught up in the numbers. When you want to have vision, when you want to have goals, sometimes that just has to be preeminent. But let me say it this way. Every number has a name, and every name matters to God. Okay, we said we want to baptize 150 people in those three years. Yes, because every number has a name, and every name matters to God. 
That's what we care about. We care about the individual. We care about the people. We're not shooting for the numbers. We're shooting for the people who are behind those numbers to say, we want to share Jesus with you. We want to share the hope that we have. How are we going to do this? Well, I would pray first and foremost that this would not just be a vision that you think, well, Pastor Brad, that's great. You got that vision or the staff kind of put that together or the deacons, that vision is for them. No, 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 no. It's for each and every one of us here at First Baptist Church. And I would hope this would be a congregation that would say, yes, let's get behind this. Yes, I will value the things that we value here at First Baptist. I will see that vision. I'll be a part of that vision and help that take place. And so what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to read through this all because I didn't have a chance to go through all of it and to pray through it as well. As you take each of these different areas, maybe even by week or month, you'll pray over these different areas of the church. In fact, I would love nothing more than to begin to see people prayer walking our campus, even with maybe this in their hand. Praying over this. We've already had people to start to do this. People have kind of gotten pairs. I already have a gal in the church who's had blisters on her feet because she started to walk the campus and pray. It takes about 10, 15 minutes to walk the campus and just to pray. All the way around the ministry center, all the way around the community center and First Baptist main campus here. Just prayer walk that. We'll be doing some of that as a congregation, but as individuals, if you would do that, that that will make the enemy a little frightful. Can I say that? Already Satan is starting to crop up a little bit. He's getting a little afraid of what's taking place around here, that there's vision taking place, that there's people getting on board with that, that we're saying, okay, God, we're going to be unified in what we're doing. We're going to make this happen. Satan wants nothing more than to destroy that joy. He wants nothing more to make you miserable people. He wants nothing more to take this happy day song and flush it down the toilet. We're not happy around here. No. But Satan's already been defeated. Let's remember that. When Jesus went to the cross, he defeated Satan for once and for all. All Satan's doing now is trying to convince as many people as possible that that message that Jesus is the life of the world, the hope for the world, is not reality. That's all he's trying to do. He's trying to cover our eyes. He's trying to spiritually blind us. But that message has already been done when Jesus went to the cross. And one day in the book of Revelation, talks about him being thrown into the pit of Eternal damnation, eternal hell, done forever. But until that time comes, it's our responsibility to help, to share the hope so that people will know. And part of that is reminding ourselves what Jesus did for us. It's why we come to a time of communion now, where we get to celebrate what Jesus did for us so long ago. Because Jesus had a plan. He worked it out with his disciples. He took those three years. He taught them. He shared with them. And then before he went to the cross, he got together with those disciples. He said, hey, listen to these words. Matthew chapter 26. It says, after they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples said, take and eat, for this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There's his plan. I'm going to the cross. And you had to know the disciples were not totally on board with this yet. They didn't quite understand what all this was. Three years spent with him, and now Jesus is getting ready to do his culminating act, and they didn't get it all. That's okay. It was coming. 
They held on to it, and after they saw what Jesus did on the cross, after they saw what he did in rising from the dead, it all became much clearer. That's what he was talking about. That's what he was doing. And so this tradition has been passed down, generation to generation to generation, that Jesus has said, do this in remembrance of me. So I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so until he comes back, he's asked you, if you're a believer, to join in this act. And so when these trays come by, there's a cup that you can grab. It actually has two cups, one with the juice and one with the wafer. If you're a believer, that's for you. Take it. You can separate it. Sometimes just a little twist will allow you to separate it, to hold it into your hands. And we'll take that together. If today, however, you would say, you know what? I'm not sure about this whole message. I, I, I pick up bits and pieces. I'm not quite sure yet. I want to pray with you right now. Because I'm convinced that there's people in here today who are ready to take their spiritual step. You're ready to take that step of saying yes to Jesus. You're ready to get on board saying, God, I'm walking your way. I'm doing what you want me to do now. I'm giving my life to you. And so if you've already done that, just affirm that as you come to this time. Seek your, look at your life. Look inside. See if there's some forgiveness that you might need to give. Some areas where you just need to get those open and honest before the Lord. And pray for those around you. Because we'll do some spiritual business right now. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how you pulled your disciples into an upper room and you shared your heart with them. Even after three years of sharing your vision, three years of all that you asked them to do, God, you came to them, washed their feet, and then said what you were going to do to die for them. God, we are so humbled that you would do that for us. For a sinner such as me, you would give your love by dying for me. God, I thank you for the many hundreds across this auditorium who have already said yes to you. They know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we just want to affirm that now. And folks, I know that there's also some of you here today. Maybe today is the day where you are ready to say yes to him. Maybe today is the day where you're ready to say, I I know what Jesus has done for me. That he went to the cross, defeated sin. That when I pray by faith, I accept him into my life. Knowing that when he rose from the grave, he defeated death. And if that's your place, this is your time to say yes to him, then just say those words right there in your heart. Just say those words, yes, Jesus, would you come into my life. You know, God sees your heart. I would challenge you after the service to come talk to me or a friend that brought you and Share with them the decision that you just made. But what that allows you now to do is to say you're a part of the family. It allows you to have a belief that Jesus went to the cross to die for you. And so this is an act that we remember, that we do until he comes again. Sharing a wafer that represents his body, juice that represents his blood shed on the cross. So if you've said yes to him, we ask you now to join in with us. Hundreds across this auditorium who are saying, yes, yes, Jesus, we follow you. Lord, thank you for these moments. We do them to remember what you did for us until you come back again. And it's in the name of Jesus that we do this. Amen.